heart of Wellington, Kansas, Powder and String Outfitters is your down-home, one-stop shop for all things shooting sports and outdoors. Welcome to the Powder and String Podcast. I would like to welcome everybody back to the Powder and String Outfitters podcast. I'm your host, Kip Etter, and I'm at the Powder and String studio in downtown Wellington, Kansas, and I am super excited for today's guest. With me today, I have Josh Carney. And uh, for those of you that have not heard of Josh Carney or, uh, you know, if you're if you're just listening on podcast, not, not catching us on video, um, Josh uh, is a gentleman that can make... Um, the sounds of just about any, any animal with just his mouth. And it's awesome. It's incredible. And, uh, today we're just going to sit here and, and, uh, chit chat and, and talk about, um, you know, hunting and everything in between. Josh has got an absolutely amazing attitude on life. And, uh, I just, um, I, 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 I saw some videos of you, Josh, a oh, couple, several years ago, probably. And just was like, just, just the, the videos are, are very, uh, you know, exciting and captivating. And then, you know, to then hear a little bit about your story, uh, I'm excited to kind of share that today. But Josh, if you would, for our listeners out there, maybe tell them a little bit about, you know, where you came from, you know, how you got to where we are sitting right here. Yeah. So uh, first, it's it's a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, I am born and raised Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I grew up in the South of life. So that uh, Southern hospitality is deeply installed in me. And, uh, you know, for me, being raised in Louisiana, like it, it taught me a lot about life. It taught me a lot about, you know, being humble and being like you loving and supporting the other people. Like, so that was deeply installed to me. So, you know, being inside of, you know, the world we live in, you know, now it's, it's a crazy society, you know, just, we just left ATA and, you know, it was a definitely a different experience because, uh, you know, St. Louis is different, but, uh, right. we'll, we'll hop into that here in a second, but, you know, born and raised in Louisiana, like I, you know, grew up in outdoors I grew up hunting and fishing and being outdoors. That's what I loved. And uh, at the very you know young age of three, like I was in a briar patch kicking up rabbits with beagles. You know, so that's how I started out. And then from there, I just kind of grew up and you know developed my outdoor living. You know, um, started doing uh, deer hunting. I started killing my deer first year at eleven by myself in a deer stand. And then from there, I was like, okay, well, I want to do more. I want to be in outdoors more. So. Uh, went turkey hunting for the first time at uh 13 years old and uh my dad shot me turkey hunting i uh we were about 15 yards apart and he picked up his gun and i, well, I looked at him pick up his gun and he went to shoot there's no shell in a gun he put it back on his shoulder and he shot me my dad just my dad tried to kill me 13 years old man and uh from there that's crazy once uh went to uh to the hospital and went through a lot of surgeries a lot of medical stuff so I've had I've been through the ringer when it comes to medical stuff. I'm still going through it today, but uh, I've 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 been through life, but I still hadn't quit. So it's uh, yeah, man. Your your <laughs> attitude's just it, it's 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 a amazing attitude. Um, infectious. Uh, you got that. a great attitude, and uh, so you know your your dad shot you. You're uh, in you know a hunting accident, and you're it wasn't you're an accident. paralyzed from it. It wasn't an accident. Okay, go ahead. It wasn't an accident. I watched my dad shoot me. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was intentional then. Yeah. Yeah. There was no turkey there. Man. There was no turkey there. I was sitting. So I was sitting on a big tree, uh, a big oak tree behind me. Uh, we were in a clear cut. There was a big briar patch to my right side. Uh, my dad picked his gun up off the ground. He put it on his shoulder and he went to shoot. There was no shell on the gun. He bracked the shell on the gun. He put it back on his shoulder. He shot me. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Did, did anything become of it? Um, was there any? No, it was, uh, it was classified as a hunting accident. You know, it was, I was, 13 years old and you're in the hospital. Like, I mean, it wasn't much to do, right. but, uh, I live life with that, you know? And I, once I called my yeah. dad out for doing it, he, uh, at I think 13, 14, once I called my dad out for shooting me, uh, he decided to put a gun to his head and he was going to kill himself in front of me because I called him out for trying to kill me. Wow. Yeah. That's so unfortunate, but I, I hate this side of podcast started, but yeah, no, yes. but, but I mean, it's, it's part of your story. And the other yeah. part about it is, is that for anybody that thought there was listening, uh, I mean, obviously we went real deep real quick, but 
the, you, you can't get past the uh, you, your attitude and how positive an attitude you have on life. And as you can see right now, again, for those of us that aren't watching on the video side of the podcast, you've got a huge smile on your yeah. face. And yeah. so to tell that story and still have a huge smile on your face and you're sitting in a wheelchair, yeah. you're confined to a wheelchair. Um, but to make what that unfortunate situation is and, and, and turn it into something that you have, I mean, is, is, is pretty crazy. I mean, it's pretty, not, not crazy. It's, it's, it's uh, amazing is what it is. So, uh, the, the wheelchair thing, it's, uh, it's a temporary thing. So we're right now working on something right now to where I can get my legs back this year. So I'm headed back to, uh, I'm headed back to Tennessee. Um, I'm trying to get back there now, but we're going to do stem cells. We're going to do stem cell research. They're going to take, um, stem cells out of me, take them to the lab and they're going to, um, regenerate and turn my stem cells into a hundred million stem cells. They're going to put fertilizer mm-hmm. inside and they're going to inject it back into my spinal cord. So it's going to pretty much build a cocoon around where my, uh, my spinal cord is slit. So I'm not completely paralyzed. I'm incomplete. So you're going to take a okay. hundred million stem cells, put them back into my spinal cord. And every 24 hours, it regenerates a hundred million stem cells. So it's going to regenerate my spinal cord. So I have the ability to walk again. Man, that's, that's super exciting. I mean, is that, I mean, I guess it's medicine. So is it, I mean, have they done this before? Are you a test oh, yeah. case or? Yeah, no. So it's, it's not, it's not technically medicine. I mean, it's just your body naturally produced. So to make, to make this a lot easier. So when a baby's being born, sperm meets the egg. And then that's when the stem cells start creating a baby, creating a life. Mm-hmm. So from the heart, the lungs, the everything that stem cells, they're taking mm-hmm. that and basically removing it from mine. So my body accepts my own cells putting it back into me. So my cells think that it's, it's in that form of creating a new body and it's going to go that's and regenerate the spinal cord, regenerate everything that's going on inside my body. That's super exciting. Yeah. Super, super exciting. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'll be keeping you in our thoughts and prayers, man. That's just, that's just amazing. And it's awesome. And, and you, and you deserve that. Everybody does, you know, have, any, anytime there's opportunity or chance to, to make life better for somebody, man, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's but, uh, it's gonna be, it's definitely gonna be rough for um. I mean, I haven't walked since uh, 2005 is when I shot, so almost 20 years. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's gonna be rough. I mean, it's gonna be a very you know tough trial period because you know I have to yeah you know, I have to go in and get a doctor to um, do a surgery on my legs to where they can um, straighten out because they've been in that position for you know 20 years. So I have right. to get that those tendons stretched out. Um, so I mean it, it's. I've been through a lot of hardship in life, and this is going to be one. It's it's probably going to be super hard for me because I'll have to learn how I'll get all that feeling and everything back. And so I'll probably endure like some of the most pain I've ever been through. But you know, the end result is where I'm looking at. So yeah, I'll, I'll take it for now. Yeah, uh, and I, I mean, you, I if you, if you handle it anything like you have the adversities you've had in life yeah. up to this point, it's going to be you know, it's going to be with a good attitude and, yeah. and that you're going to come out. You know, just like you said, better at the end. The end result's yeah. going to be worth it. Yeah. Um, as I said, you know, I'm preparing to, to meet with you and, and talk to you and obviously seeing some of your videos from several years ago. Um, and I would I would encourage our listeners to go out there and, and look because it's your videos are inspirational. I mean, I for somebody it. who is. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I want to use the word um, confined loosely, yeah. uh, sounds like, but, you know. You were confined to a wheelchair um, for, you know, like you said, the last 20 years and the life that you've lived, even though you've had that restriction on you is pretty remarkable and pretty amazing. I mean, you, you shoot a bow, you shoot guns, shotguns. Um, is there anything that, you know, as far as hunting that, that you haven't done since you've been in a wheelchair that you've wanted to, or. So for me, I want to, uh, I want to get out West, you know, and it's, okay. you know, for me, it's very limiting as far as like the use of, you know, items. So I have a track chair and it, it, it's a great machine, but it also limits me. Like it, it helps me get past what, what my regular chair limits me, but it also still limits me in outdoors. So ATA, we're actually working on building some um, devices to where that I can, not only myself, but people with, you know, disabilities or whatever the case is, can get out west and go into the outdoors way further than what they think. So, um, some e-bike stuff is going to be working on. So we're, we're working on some projects to build some new, um, new and cool projects to help people get into outdoors way past what they that's think. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Yeah. I mean, like I said, you, you've just continued to push that, you know, those barriers, yeah. you know, as, as, you know, as they've come in front of you, you just knock them down and that's, I think it's, it's pretty inspirational, man. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty inspirational. So, so the, uh, the, the hunting accident or, you know, the shooting, whatever you term it happens. Mm-hmm. And from that, what happened in order to enable you to make these amazing animal sounds? <laughs> so when I, mean, I was, they're, they're, it's crazy, man. So if, if you can see, I don't know if you see, but so there's a scar here on my neck. Um, a okay. bullet. So I get shot 12 gauge, 12 gauge, double out buck shots. So I had a bullet hit my esophagus and i had a breathing tube in my throat. And the doctor came in the room and said, it's been in your throat for so long. You're never going to talk again. You're new trach. And when he told me that, I was like, no, it's, I don't believe that. And it was one, one day it was itching in my throat and, uh, I, I did not like it. So I pulled the breathing tube out of my throat. And, uh, when I did that, it altered my vocal cords. So at 13, like I haven't really hit puberty. That's my voice hadn't hit that deeper tone to it. So when I pulled mm-hmm. that breathing tube out, it altered my vocal cords. So I still have that, that raspy tone pitch as, as a premature kid. So it allows mm-hmm. me to hit those different notes inside of my tones, which allows me to make animal sounds. And uh, I was at a trade show in Louisiana. This guy was trying to sell me turkey calls. Like, man, I, I got a bad history of turkey calls. That's the last thing I want to buy. So uh, right. he's like, well, well, what do you use? I was like, nah. And I, I think I was like 21, 20 something years old. And I was, uh, I, I was a little cocky when I was younger. I was, and uh, he was right. like, oh, what kind of call do you use? I was like, man, I could eat it in my mouth. And, like, I didn't know that I could do it. And he mm-hmm. called me out. And one thing about me, if I say something, somebody calls me out, like, I'm going to do it. And uh, he was like, well, let's hear it. And so I asked him to run a call. And he ran a slate call. And I was like, all right, I, I can do that. So I just listened to it. And it's like, okay, well, it sounds like this. And I went. <laughs> and the owner of the company turned around. He's like, is that our call? He's like, no, that's the kid. And uh, they ran me away from the booth. So <laughs> that's uh, that's how I got started. I went to another booth and guys was like, "Man, that's that's pretty good." And like, how long have you been doing it? I was like, "I don't know. I just learned just ten minutes ago." About thirty minutes. Like about thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. So so for guys like me that struggle with turkey hunting, <laughs> it's just not right. It's not fair, <laughs> man. Because that's that's listen, pretty good. Listen, here's the deal. If you uh. If you want my tips and techniques, double out buckshot to the throat, breathing tube. <laughs> that's if you want to be a Kirk, you want to be a perfect turkey caller. That's that's yeah. too correct. I would recommend it though. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. So so you literally at the trade show and you kind of put put your you know, put your foot in your mouth and then you had to step up the plate and I did. And yeah. You you had never never messed around with it before or anything. <laughs> no. 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 And then I went from there and I had some guys that were waterfowl hunters and I hadn't waterfowl hunted at all. And it was like, yeah. uh, well, can you do a, can you do a duck call? I was like, I don't know. Like, what's it sound like? And they're like, okay. Like it's like, they started to give me words. So how I learned mm-hmm. how to do my sounds, like I found words and I would mm-hmm. break those words down and put a sound to it. So for a goose, mm-hmm. I learned that any one syllable word, I could turn into a goose honk. <laughs> it's the craziest wow. thing ever. So uh, a, a Canada goose any wants to work. So like to, um, and so here, here's, here's another weird thing. So like, if I get really excited, like certain words come out as a goose honk when I'm having a conversation with people, <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible party trick at a bar. Like it, I just, I, yeah. So it's a terrible party trick. So yeah. for instance, um, what, mm-hmm. what, 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 so it's just it's what in a in a in Canada goose, right? <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, and and when you're when you're learning to call and stuff like that, I mean, in a call, they'll tell you to you know to use mm-hmm. words or whatever, and it's just a, it's probably the exact same thing that that works for you within mm-hmm. the call though, but your it's your throat, yeah, that's able to do it, yeah. So then from there, you just kept seeing what else I can do. Actually, I just I posted a video on social media, and I was just. Being silly, I was like, man, I'm just going to throw a video on social media. And it took off. And people were like, well, yeah, what else can you do? I was like, I don't know. So they started this uh, 24-hour carny call challenge. So they would give me an animal, and I had 24 hours to reply. 
So like people are like, all right, well, That's you got to awesome. learn how to do this call. You got to learn how to do this call. And so like I'm on YouTube, like what the heck does a lion sound like? What does a, a loon sound like? And people are like throwing all these crazy animal sounds at me. And I had 24 hours to respond. And like I'm saying, like I just learned how to do this like within the week prior. So I'm like, yeah, all right, now we're getting crazy with this. And it just, it took Game off. On. It took off. And um, a buddy of mine, Rob, invited me to the ATA show. He said, man, you need to go to the ATA show. I said, man, I don't know. I've never been at a show. I don't, I don't know what that's about. And he's like, you got to go. So I got past the ATA show and um, I met a um, friend, Kirsten Godfrey. She's like, look, you got to do your calls. I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm full. They got all these people, like celebrities in here. Like, I'm not. I just sit here and make animal sounds in front of these people. Like, these are idols to me. Like, I'm not about to go right. around and make animal sounds. No. So <laughs> we were going down to ATA and uh, there's Jim Shockey. A crowd of people around him. And uh, Kirsten's like, do you want to meet Jim Shockey? I'm like, yeah. So like, she parts these people like Moses part in the Red Sea. And she's like, Josh, this is Jim. Jim, this is Josh. And like, I like said, so like I said, when I get excited, certain words come out as goose honk. I goose honk yeah. at Jim Shockey. Like he was like, hey, I was like, huh? Mm, so he's like, was, like was, it, was that a goose call? I was like, yeah, it's a little weird. I'm sorry. I just get excited sometimes. And uh, he's like, no, it's cool. And so they, they started shooting a video of me doing animal sounds at ATA. And then around the whole show, people are like, who's this kid going around making animal sounds? Like, have you seen him? It's like the whole show. Like, I have, I had the most press that I've ever had. I was like, what is going on? Like, like I thought this was just like a weird party trick. And they used like, mm-hmm. everybody's like, this is the coolest thing ever. I was like, can y'all not make animal sounds or something like that? And just, it just took off. Yeah, and, uh, no, it's, yeah, yeah, I know it's not normal. <laughs> and uh, by the time I got home, like my social media exploded. I mean, it was right. it was insane. And so what like, year was this like roughly? 2014. 2014. Okay. Yeah, so I've this is this is my tenth year in the industry. And uh okay. it just took off like wildfire. You know, all about That's... making a making an animal sound at a, at a trade show. <laughs> mm-hmm. So twenty fourteen, that would have been nine years after the after you'd been shot. Yeah. So mm-hmm. nine years after it, and you put your foot in your mouth and had to step up to the plate, and then did. <laughs> here we are today talking. I, honestly, I, I would have never expected my life to go the way it would do it. I mean, I got shot turkey hunting, came out of the hospital, sounded like a turkey, go to trade show, everybody's like, dude, you're the turkey guy. Like, you're the animal guy. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I mean, that's the craziest thing ever, you know? That's awesome. If that's, anybody I mean, should have yeah, if anybody should have rolled over and quit, like it should have been me. I'd be like, man, I don't ever want to turkey hunt a day in my life again. And now I'm like, all right, let's go turkey hunt. Let's go kill a bird. Like, yeah. Let's go, you know, mimic animals. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and, and I think you hit the nail right on the head. If anybody should have just rolled over and quit, it should have been you. I mean, <laughs> you know, been shot, you're in a wheelchair, you're, you know, your dad did it. <laughs> um, you know, just, you know, just, there's no, you know, I, it's just inspirational. It's awesome. It's an awesome, it. awesome, awesome story. And that's why I wanted to have you on here. So with regards to the animal sounds, is there one that you, that's your favorite or that you like to do the best? Man, honestly, my favorite is, is a Canada goose call. But if you ask my friends, like they say my favorite is a cougar call because like I'm always surrounded by older women. I don't know what that's about, but my favorite is a Canada goose call. But if you ask anybody right, else, so they're I, gonna say I something gotta different. hear the I gotta hear both of them. I've heard the, <laughs> I've heard the Canada goose, but I want to hear the cougar call, and I also uh, I want to hear some stories about the cougar call and how <laughs> how how well it works. And I mean, does it attract cougars? <laughs> um, is there certain like size? <laughs> cougars that it, that it attracts or fierce cougars or so, tall ones so you know, we can talk yeah so right now for me uh like it, it's it's not it's not prime time cougar time for me like the right, day right. after the day after valentine's day is like when the season opens because that like, season okay because yeah. uh because for me you know they look at me as like oh you know that's a guy like most people like oh it's a black guy in a wheelchair like most cougars like Hell, that's chocolate half off. Valentine's Day just left. I got some discount right there. <laughs> discount. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, okay, I see where you're going. Here's the deal. I mean, I can't run away from them. You know, I can't, like, I mean, like, easy target. I'm prey. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. So, so you're, you're kind of, you got a call and you're also bait. 
Yeah, I'm, yeah. Honestly, my buddy Rob that got me into the ATA show, he got me a shirt that says Cougar Bait. Like I am stamped as Cougar Bait. <laughs> there you go, man. I I never <laughs> thought of it like that. That's pretty good stuff. So, uh, so, so the uh, the goose call. Give give mm-hmm. us the goose call, and I and I know you can actually differentiate. And there is a difference. You can differentiate between the different species of them. Yeah, yeah. So we um, so we do uh, canada goose. This hotel's probably gonna figure out like there's a serious something weird going on in room two hundred five. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck's going on over there? But, There's um, a cougar loose. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I'll uh, I'll even I'll switch it up. I'll do some more. If I do uh, do mallet. So just uh, we'll do a mouth feed. This is crazy. That's wild, and and again, listeners, there's he don't have a he don't have a reed in his mouth or nothing, nothing. like that. There's no there's no call in his mouth. That's just straight up, straight, straight up. So, it's, so it's, it's funny because like I'll, I'll have a conversation with somebody and like I'll go from having a conversation like you and I are talking about here and you go. <laughs> so conversation writes into the call. <laughs> yep, that's awesome. That's totally awesome. So. So you don't have a favorite one. Is it, have you had any of them that you've tried to just, yeah, that's not, I can't make that noise. Cause I mean, not all animals are, you know, have that mm-hmm. the same tone or pitch or anything like that. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of them. And, and, and I've also found, you know, hunting with calls that there's a lot of the same techniques maybe that you use mm-hmm. in one species of call. You carry that across to different species mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. Um, so is that the same with you? You know, for me, like I, I, I started out. I wanted to learn like everyone. Like I wanted to be like Doctor Dula. I wanted to talk to every animal out there. And then I was like, man, I just want to talk to the ones that I can hunt. Like it doesn't benefit me if I'm just clucking like a chicken. Like I mean, I can go to Popeyes and get that. Like it doesn't benefit me. So like I want to be able to call animals that I can call in and be successful in a hunt. So you know, we'll, we'll do elk. We'll do you know coyotes. We'll do like a dying rabbit distress call. We'll do. You know, turkeys will do geese, waterfowl. Like, if if I can hunt it, I can call it. That's awesome. Yeah. Do Do you have a favorite animal or species that you'd like to hunt? What's your favorite that you've turkeys. hunted so far? Turkeys. turkeys. It's, it's a it's a love hate relationship, but I love it. I mean, like, I, I you know, I, I guess I still carry you know being shot turkey hunting. Like that was my first turkey hunt ever. Like, mm-hmm. that's how it started for me, and like now it's like. Every turkey I see, like I'm, I'm just I get fired up for it, you know, because like that almost took my life. So now it's it's a love hate relationship. Yeah, you know, I've always said that if you're trying to take somebody out that's hunting for the first time and you want to have the best opportunity to to truly set that hook in them, turkey hunting's where it's at because you've got that whole you got the ability. You know, most of the time you go out scouting, you find them put them to, you know, put them to bed. They're up in a tree. And then once they're in a tree, you've got a pretty good idea of where they're going to be at in the morning. So then you go get set up and, you know, you look at the wind and all the different, you know, the land feature stuff gets set up and then you can hear them come out of the tree most of the time. And then, you know, it's on. And so mm-hmm. hopefully they come your way. And then there's that interaction back and forth mm-hmm. to call the, you know, the clucking, the gobbling and clucking and gobbling. And sometimes that can take, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, even yeah. for that, that, that culmination. And then all of a sudden, here comes this bird into sight, and it's, you know, iridescent and changing colors, and it's all uh-huh. strutting and cocky and, you know, kicking dirt and all that stuff. And it's just this, you know, this climax. And then all of a sudden, you know, comes the, you know, you know, the shot. And I've always said that if you want to get, you know, a hunter, a young hunter, or even somebody that's older that's just getting into hunting, I've always said turkey hunting is, is in my opinion, one of the best because – it's so interactive. Whereas deer hunting is fun and I love deer hunting. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I, I definitely, I 100% in on deer hunting, but it's not as interactive. It's more Mm -hmm. of a, at least for me, it's more of a, um, I get the feeling that I've like, I'm in their kitchen. Like when they're, Uh they're such a keen animal and they got so many senses and so 
you know, they can smell and hear and, and everything is just so keen that when I'm in the tree stand or I'm, you know, in the ground blind or I'm, you know, whatever, that I've, I've fooled them. And that's yeah. that, that, that primal fear, that primal instinct of, man, I just, I just got in that, in that animal's kitchen, you know? Yeah. And so it's a different deal than the turkey, but yeah, turkey hunting, man, it, it, we're coming up on it here, you know, right around the corner and I'm jazzed. I love it. Absolutely love it. I, uh, I tell everybody I, uh, I deer hunt just to get by a turkey season. Like that's right. My all, that's my all season to get to the real place season. <laughs> right. That's so cool. So you, um, <clears throat> have you shot a, have you shot the, the slam yet? The grand slam? I haven't. So I'm, I'm missing a Marion. And right. the, the way I look at it, I'll do it one day, but the way I look at it is like, I have to pass up a lot of birds just to get the one. And, you right. know, normally what I do is every year I'll do a, um, I'll do a turkey tour. Mm-hmm. We'll do 30 days and we'll try and shoot for, we'll start out with five states. We'll try and do five states, 30 days. And then, you know, sometimes we hit more than five states and, but we hit a month solid with just turkey hunting, you know, pack yeah. up the truck, load up everything. We'll just hit the road. Yeah. Yeah. We had um, uh, uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Buds, I believe was his name. I'm drawing a blank right now, but he we had him on the on the podcast here a while back, and he was uh, the, he holds the record for the most slams by any individual, and I believe it was at a hundred and hey Dylan was at a hundred and thirteen, hundred and thirteen that he shot. Jeez, and I think the number that he said the next closest guy was like in the forties or something. Maybe, it, maybe the next closest guy was like in the sixties, but that guy, that gentleman had passed. And then the next closest guy that was still alive was in the forties of slams. So this dude, and he's in his, I would say he's probably in his late fifties, maybe. That's crazy. So, yeah. And he's just, I mean, he just ate up with Turkey. He, anything, a lot of birds. Turkey, 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 Turkey. Yeah. This guy, a lot of birds. He was a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, and, and you know, that's, that's, I mean, that's a lot of birds. That's that's a whole other level. For I mean, sure. just just thinking about that. I mean, like like that's four hundred birds for sure. Mm-hmm. But let's think yeah. about all the ones that aren't in that slam. Well, that's what he said. Yeah. So so basically, what he was doing was, um, so he lives in Florida, mm-hmm. so he's able to get a Florida resident tag for the um, <clears throat> the Osceola. Is that uh-huh. the right one? That's down there. Um, and then he also was able to go on to an Indian res or something. And there was some, and I don't know that it's still available to do that. So basically he could get two birds a year and he was able to do that for, you know, so many years. Gotcha. Um, so that was able to get him to where he could get two birds each season. And then he obviously already had all the other subspecies or species, whichever it is, um, of birds as well. So that's how he was able to do it. And now he's got a son that's I think younger, six or eight years old. And so he's, he's like, I'm just focusing on him now. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't really shoot, shoot him anymore um, as much. So, but I mean, I would say that's one of them records that, and he, he said, I've got it all documented. It's in WTF, all the, you know, there's no, no questions about it. It's all complete legit. So that's it's awesome. pretty cool. Have, yeah. You have to go back and, and listen to it all. I'll, uh, when we get down here, I'll send you a link to it. Absolutely. That's all awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. So this year, where are you, where do you plan on going? Have you got your, your tour figured out? I don't know. So like I had a doctor screw up my back, uh, August of 2022 and I'm still dealing, I'm still messing with that. So I don't know what my season is going to look like. If I'll have a season, um, I'll probably hunt Tennessee a little bit. I, I mm-hmm. just know that right now I'll go back and rehab and things like that. Just trying to figure my body out, but I'll get out. I'll hunt a bird somewhere. It may be Tennessee, Kentucky. Like it may be just, mm-hmm local places that i can go to but is that where you live now is tennessee yeah i'm in nashville well franklin tennessee yeah okay yeah i've got some real close family friends that live there in a great town yeah and i uh i traveled so much in nashville i was going to nashville 15 20 times a year with travel so once i got in the hunting industry like i was on the road i mean 300 days a year i was on the road so nashville was a place that i always came to i said man i just want to move here and then uh i started hunting in tennessee and i was like man it's Hunting's pretty good here. Like, I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. nice. We got four weather, like all four seasons. So I, I just packed my bags up and I moved to Tennessee and it was the best decision ever. So, uh, yeah. When did I you said, move to Tennessee? What year? Uh, 
I moved in November of 2019. So I moved there. Cool. And a couple months later, COVID happened and just shut down everything. So, right. and, uh, it, it, it was, it was fun. You know, it's still been fun. It's been a great place for me. Uh, I fully enjoyed, like I said, I, once COVID happened, I got a, a lot of time to be actually get around and, you know, travel. We did a lot of public land hunting and, and you know, we, we found birds and we, we hunted hard. So I was like, man, like, this is, this is where it's at. So I had a really good time in Tennessee. So like I said, this year here, I'll dive right back into it. Just kind of figure out health wise, what it's going to look like for spring and then just go after it. Yeah, exactly. And <clears throat> so maybe, maybe explain to our, our listeners, what does it look like for you given your scenario? Um, you know, there's, I'm sure there's people out there that are going to be listening that are, you know, confined to a wheelchair. Um, how, how do you overcome it? What's the, I mean, to go turkey hunting, what, what, what kind of recommendations, what kind of advice <laughs> can you give somebody that's like that? You got to be stubborn, stupid, and you got to want it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, man, I've, knowing my situation, being shot turkey hunting, man, I've, I've, I've had situations where I've gotten out of my wheelchair. I've crawled on birds. I've, you know, I've drugged my body across fields to kill birds. I mean, like I said, you got to be stubborn and stupid. You got to want it, but you know, like I said, I don't recommend it for everybody. You know, sometimes, you know, it's sitting in a ground blind. If that's your thing, if you want to sit in a ground blind or sit on the side of a, a tree and throw out some decoys and you wait on a bird, that's totally fine. You know, if you want to, you know, sit on the food plot, it's great. You know, just whatever your body, your limitations, you know, are, you know, if you could figure out what that is, what you're comfortable with, then do what makes you happy. Like, you don't have to do what I do because I know some grown men that have working legs that don't do the stuff that I do for a bird. Like I'm, I'm That's hungry. Awesome. I'm, I'm ready to kill a bird. I'm, I'm hungry for them. You know, I don't care if it's got a, if I got to crawl through an ant bag, ticks or whatever. Like if I see a bird, he's gobbling, he wants to play. We're going to play. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I, so uh, what's I your, remember, I remember, uh, I think it's just 2018. So I don't know. I don't know if you see it. So like right here on my side, I had a, uh, I had what's called a, a backlifting pump. So I had a okay. big pump in my side and, uh, I was in Louisiana The doctor had just cut me open and had, uh, staples in my side. And I was like, all right, Joshua, you know, you're released. They just pulled the staples out. And, uh, just like, okay, we're released. I was in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I was like, okay, well you need to rest. Like, okay. So I left New Orleans, drove all the way to Jackson, Tennessee, got to Turkey camp. Found a bird that night. Next morning, I'm out of my chair on the ground crawling with a bird. I look up, my, my shirt's soaked with blood. Like I ripped the staples oh. out on my side. But hey, we got the bird. That's all that mattered to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, did, so did you have to go to the hospital after that? Yeah, I just didn't tell him. Yeah. 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 I just didn't tell him. Yeah. I was always, you know told, I was always told if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. You know, and I just love the the overall theme of your, you know, this conversation, but also throughout your life, you just, you know, just pony up and keep going, man. You know, there is no limitations. And um, I've got a friend, um, we're working on trying to get him on here. Um, he had a similar situation to yours. He was on a hunting accident. Um, he was in a, a side-by-side uh, in, I believe it was Wyoming. It was either Wyoming or Montana, but I'm 99% sure it was in Wyoming. And, um, this happened probably three years ago and ended up becoming, uh, paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And he's, um, you know, was just an avid hunter. He's out elk hunting. And, uh, now he's, he's, uh, taking on photography and he's mm-hmm. just got the best attitude, you know, very, very inspirational, you know, and it's, it's just, I, I just, I love that story. It sucks what happened, but the story is just amazing. And that's the, the thing about, you know, you know, same situation with you is, is just over and over and over. You're just, man, just, it is what it is and make it, make, make a good situation out of it. The, uh, the best advice I give anyone is uh, disability is of the mind, not the body. If you tell yourself you can, you can. If you tell yourself you can't, you can't. I mean, you're right either way. You know, you, yeah. you limit yourself by what you tell yourself inside of your head. Man, that's, I, I think that I agree with you 100%. And that's so true. And the reason I, I kind of hesitated there was, and I didn't think of this until you just said that, but my, so growing up, my dad, um, well, when he was uh, 14 or 15, I think he was 15, he had a, he was shooting trap and his shotgun blew up on him. 
And it ended up, uh, it was on his left hand. It blew his thumb off and blew these two fingers. And they, you know, they actually were skinned and put all the way back down here. I mean, we're talking in the 60s. And so he had to have surgery and everything. And they were rigid. When it first happened, they were actually going to amputate from the shoulder or from the, excuse me, from the elbow down. But ultimately they didn't. And so he had a disability, you know, from before he was even an adult. And um, I never knew, you know, I grew up, I just was, as soon as I was born, he had his hand, his hand was that way. So it never, ever crossed my mind ever until I was an adult later on. Um, and I was, you know, I talked, I was having a conversation with my dad about his hand. And I was like, well, how did you, and my dad's extremely talented with woodwork. He built our whole house. I mean, he built the cabinets he can do, I mean, and, and I remember helping my dad a little bit here and there, but you know, where I'm now that I'm an adult here, I am, you know, doing stuff and I'm like going and asking my son for help to hold a board or, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking back, I'm like, dad never really helped, asked for help for much or anything. And so, you know, I, that prompted me to have a conversation, you know, kind of as a grown man to another grown man. I was like, he said, I never looked at it as a, I didn't, I never ever, he said, the only time in my life I ever thought it was, or I even knew I had a, had a disability or that I could even, um, you know, he, he actually qualified. He could have applied for disability his whole life. Never did. Um, was he, he, he had uh, gotten a job on the railroad. And then when he was on the railroad, then somebody, after he'd been hired and been working for a little while, somebody in management saw him and was like, wait a minute, you can't work with your hand like that. And so he had to go through, do a bunch of tests and stuff. And ultimately he was fine. But, um, he's like, that was the first time I ever knew that and it ever crossed my mind. And it was just that, you know, there's just, he it's just, you know, like you said, right there, it's all in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally. Uh, I just sparked up a memory when you said that. And, and, uh, we, you know, we had that conversation 25 years ago. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's mind over matter, whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're exactly right. That's like, uh, for me last year, so after the, uh, the doctor, uh, screwed my back, like my arms are paralyzed. Like I got my arms paralyzed, legs paralyzed, everything. Uh, I couldn't roll my chair 10 feet in the, yeah. So you just for our listeners, you were not, you were just paralyzed from basically the waist down or whatever before the surgery is what you're saying. I was a, I was paraplegic before the surgery, just waist down. The doctor did a surgery on my back and I became a quad, a high function quad. I couldn't hold a cell phone. I couldn't do anything. And, uh, um, and that was last year. Yeah. It was a year ago. <laughs> Man. And, uh, yeah, like this year, like this time last year, my arms weren't working. And then, yeah, the doctor said, uh, well, we're going to put you on all this medication. You know, three of them have high risk for suicide. You know, if you think about it, don't think about it. But this is going to be the condition for the rest of your life. And I just looked there. I was like, I hear you, but uh, you don't know me. Yeah, I hear you. And, I mean, I, I went through hell. I mean, I went through hell to get it back. But like I said, you know, it's all about, you know, your will to live and, you know, what you put your mind through. Like I was like. I'm going to get back to work. I'm going to do things. I mean, like I said, you know, a year ago, like I was in a hospital bed. I was like, I'm going to get back to work. I lost everything I owned. And like to this year, going to ATA, you know, making that drive, you know, it was terrible for me. It's a long trip. I mean, I, you know, trying to make it back home now, like I just came back from St. Louis and, you know, I can only, only drove two and a half hours out of a five hour trip when I used to go, you know, 18 hour drives was normal for me. So it's just mm-hmm. a matter of, you know, your will, you know, it's just how bad do you want it? You know, and that mm-hmm. was, you know, that was me, you know, ladies like, well, you know, you're going to be paralyzed. Like your arms aren't going to work. It's going to be disrespectful of life. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you, but like, you're just somebody telling me something. Like I, I've always been told stuff by the people that just didn't listen. Like, you know, if you're stubborn enough, you do whatever you want to do. You know, it's all about what you tell yourself. Yeah. That's, that's, that's just an awesome attitude. Awesome. I mean, I'm sure you've been told before, but it's very inspirational and it appreciate it, especially for, you know, all of us have our struggles and our ups and downs in life. And then you look over at somebody like you and you're like, all right, you know, just puts everything into perspective as well. Very much so for sure. Uh, I mean, you just, you just have an ax- an absolute awesome attitude and it's just, it's, it's, it's totally cool. I love it. I appreciate it. So what is your, <clears throat> What does your your hunting season look like? You you turkey hunt after turkey season? Are you chasing the chasing the seasons from state to state? Generally, I'm assuming that your health allows you to and everything like that on a normal so year, just, if you will. It just depends. I mean, I, I'm I'm one of those guys. I'm not a I'm not a a one animal kind of guy. Like I chase it all. 
you know, um, whitetails, man, we hunt whitetails, whitetails pay the bills, but I, I love spotting and stalking. Like I love chasing an animal. You know, I, I just don't get that rush from whitetail hunting. You know, it's, it's fun sending the blonde things like that, but you know, I want to, I want to chase something. You know, turkey hunting is fun for me because like it's a game of cat and mouse. You know, sometimes we'll yeah. go out to Texas and, you know, we'll go out in those, you know, wide open spaces and like, we'll just spot and stalk. Like how can we get, you know, on an animal, especially like doing it in a chair. Like it's totally different element. You know, like you got to So do you out. use your, do you, do you, I'm assuming you still have that um, track chair. Track chair. Mm-hmm. So I just got rid of this track, your track chair, um, but I'm working on another chair. But yes, we would spot and stalk out of a track chair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for how, some, I mean, it, it's, go ahead. No, you go ahead. So for, for me, like it's, it, it's a little challenging to do it, but animals don't really, they'll see, but I think they think it, it's farm equipment in most situations. Oh. So they don't, they don't really spook as bad as seeing a person walking to them, you know? So it, it's, okay. it's, it kind of, it helps out in a lot of situations. I mean, I've, I've rolled up on think- deer and like, I'll have deer, you know, 10 yards away from me. I'm just trying to figure out like what's going on. You know, because they, they can't break up that that silhouette. Like they can't determine that I'm a person sitting inside of a chair. That's you know never crossed my mind, but it makes complete and total sense. Um yeah, we went uh mule deer hunting a couple years ago and a real good buddy of mine out to his farm and and uh, so we get to the first day and we're driving through the pasture, you know, and he's getting us, you know, telling us, you know, you can hunt this, you can't hunt this, this neighbor's cool, this cool neighbor doesn't want you on it. And he's like, I've been seeing this really nice mule deer. And um, so, you know, we're there not even 15 minutes into the first pasture. And there's this bruiser. I mean, it's a big deer. Yeah. And he just keeps cruising. He's like, you know, and I was driving. He's like, just don't stop. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. And uh, sure enough, we we didn't stop at all. That dude was sitting there bedded down with a doe. They both just sat there. We drove by, you know, 25 yards from him. And, uh, you know, he just sat there. And so, yeah. and, 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 you know, growing up around, you know, the parts where I grew up at, I worked on a farm. So I wasn't def- definitely wasn't a farmer, but worked on farm. It's the same thing. You get around farm equipment and machinery. Generally the deer don't, you know, and animals, they don't spook that much unless it's obviously they're going to run into them or whatever, you know, but so that, that makes complete and total sense that <laughs> they would possibly act that way. Yeah. Never, yeah. never would have thought that I would have thought, well, before you said that, I was actually thinking just the opposite. Man, how hard that's got to be so difficult to try and conceal that big apparatus. But, but use it to I've your got, advantage. I've got I've got way closer than, than most people on animals. Like I said, they they, I, they, they don't they can't break the they can't define that silhouette of a person, so they don't see it as a as a threat. You know, mm-hmm. it's like okay, like okay, I. What is that? And they're curious about it more than anything. You know, if, if you were to walk up to a deer in a field, like they take off. But right. like if I was approaching, it, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's a slow speed. So like, I just get closer and closer and like their, their depth perception can't really tell what it is. They can see it. It's a blob to them, but like they can't tell or make out what it is. So yeah, I mean, well, I've, I'm I've assuming gotten, it's quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've gotten super close to animals. They'll, I got a video on my phone. There's a doe. She's, 10 yards away from me and like she's just never like i have the wind in my advantage she's just sitting there like what is going on like she comes closer and then she starts feeding and I'm just sitting there watching her that's awesome that's totally I mean, cool. I'm, I'm in the wide open like i mean that's like she's like all right what is this yeah yeah that's totally totally awesome that's really <laughs> cool i never i totally wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought of that but uh-huh. yeah Cool. So if so anybody's you, you, out there with a disability or has, has a tract here that is in the outdoors, use it to your advantage. It works almost absolutely. 100% of the time. Yeah. That's awesome. So you say the one that you had, you're getting a new one? So you're yeah. So we're actually, it or? No, we're actually, I'm actually designing a device to get people in the outdoors. Bro, that's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. So can you so, talk about it? So we're, we're in the works with some, uh, so it, it's kind of e-bike style. So, the track chair, it's a great machine, but like I said, I want to go out west. I want to be able to go out further. The track mm-hmm. chair, it, it's it's very heavy, and for me, it's I always tra- I travel alone a lot, so it's hard to get it in and out of my truck, and then you get it off, and it's 400 pounds, and then I have to you know take it to where I want to go. It only goes six miles in like two, three miles an hour, 
So it, it, it's, it's slow. It, the battery doesn't last long. So I've been in a situation to where I'll go somewhere and like when I'm chasing something, I'm chasing. Like I don't, I don't want to worry about the battery. So I've been in a situation to where I, I've gotten stuck in the woods because of the battery life. And then I've had to chair where it's fall off the back of the truck because, you know, the ramps are slotted, things like that. So it, it, it's, it, it, it became a, an issue for me. So I was like, okay, well, how can we figure this out to make it, make it to where we can go further in the outdoors and get rid of a lot of weight? So I was like, man, like these guys are developing like all these e-bikes and stuff like that. Like, it's like there's got to be something to it, but like they go 25 miles an hour. They go, you know, mm-hmm. 40 miles in the woods. I mean, like, all right, like let's design something that we can work around that. So that's what we started yeah. working on. And uh, it's going to be something real cool this year. That's awesome. So you're thinking yeah. this year, 2020, 2024? Yeah. So I think I think that we should have something developed by the end of this year to where it can be prototyped and ready to go. That's freaking cool, mm-hmm. man. That's so awesome. And that's, yeah. uh, you know, and I think it's just, it's it's innovation, but it's just like in, in anything, you know, you know, televisions, you know, started off as a, you know, little teeny tiny black and white and, mm-hmm. you know, a boob, a boob tube. And then they, you know, have... You know, here they are flat screens that are, you know, as big as you want or projectors. Yeah. And so why wouldn't it be the same with, with, you know, those type of, of chairs and stuff mm-hmm. like that? And so, yeah, that's really cool, man. And then and the allowing the people to get out and, and enjoy the outdoors. And it's, I'm sure it's not going to be just for hunting. I mean, uh, people, you know, for doing anything that's outdoors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. You're someone wants to go to the beach, the birds, it's like my, my chair, like I cannot roll in the beach, like the sand, like I can't make it through the sand. So like we're making something that's going to be accommodate, like it's going to accommodate everything in outdoor space. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's super, super exciting, mm-hmm. man. I, I can't, I can't wait to hear about it and, and, uh, I'll see, see, see you on it out yeah. there, uh, on the prototype, I'm sure. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I, I have friends that go hiking in Colorado and stuff like that. I'm like, and I, I can't do that. Like I just, I want to figure out how to do it. I was like, I got, I got tired of seeing everybody with like all these awesome pictures out West and in the mountains and like, I got to figure out how to do this. So I just, mm-hmm. okay. Like how do we start designing something to make this happen? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's super exciting, man. I, I, I I'm, uh, I'm excited for you and I can't wait to, to see what that, you know, what that looks like and what that, absolutely. Comes, you know, when it comes to fruition. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. So <clears throat> Dylan tells me that you're a little bit of a jokester sometimes. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so we're, we got to come back circle to the, the cougar call. Okay. So, so tell us a little bit more about the cougar call. I mean, it, it's very simple. You just, you go, <clears throat> you want to be in a heavy, a heavy populated area where they're, they're okay. fierce, you know, they, but you got to just, you got to, you got to make the approach. Like you got to make yourself known to like, and it's not really, it's not really a, a, a call, but like mm-hmm. you just make a statement. Yeah. Like, okay. Hey, I'm following. Like, Hey, I'm under 30 and I'm single. Like that's the call. Like that's all you okay. need to say. And then it's yeah. like, oh, well, okay. Well, he can't run from me for one. So like, that's an easy target. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, uh, you know, you, you see like, you like, obviously you said smile. So Charlie personality, it's like, all right, well, this, and this is an easy prey. Like, you're like, okay, well, it, it's almost, you know, it's almost like, yeah. Have you ever seen a cougar, um, like grab their cub by the neck and like carry him out like a lion? Right. Yeah. Like that that's okay. basically me when I go sit somewhere like, well, this he can't walk away from me. So like let me just grab him by the neck and carry him out of So do they normally got. get like in a line or do they they like covey up or just, you know, pick off singles or and just just any which way? It just depends on the day. It just depends on the day, honestly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do a little research on it, I think, you know? I mean, I'm happily married and all, but <laughs> You know, I mean, I, you always want to make sure that you're, you're, you know, you're, when it comes to hunting and survival, <laughs> you want to make sure that you're as prepared as you can possibly. Listen, hey, you, you have to always be prepared. Just always be prepared. But see, you're, you're not, you're not prey. I mean, you just said you're married. So like, I mean, for yeah. you, like, and, and how old are you? I am 40. Okay. So, so. Some seven. So in your situation, like you wouldn't be, a, you wouldn't be a target for cougars. Like you'd be. Like more of a target for like a saber tooth tiger, like that's like that's the advance. Oh, like that's, okay. that's yeah. probably like the you know the seventy to eighty class. Yeah, it's, it's saber tooth. Yeah. 
You know, so like you be, yeah. but like, hey, listen, I'm not listening. Be honest with you, those are my favorite because they have Honey Lane, they have Wheels, and like, you listen, man, it's it's the greatest thing ever, right there. There you go, perspective again. <laughs> when, when you're given adversity, you got to be able to figure out how to navigate the waters, huh? Listen, I, I just I just want to find a man know, of many many talents. I just I just want to find the one that has uh, about a thousand acres in Kansas. You know, she's yeah. widowed. She's looking for some money, you know, be there for her. Like, I always right. supply the chair. So if she needs that, I got her. Like, I'm just right. saying, I, I mean, it's going to be a win-win situation. Yeah. You know? Adversity, <laughs> if, if, if there's any kind of tough time, you've already been through that. You know what that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good attitude. She just needs yeah. a thousand acres in Kansas. That's it. <laughs> that's it. All right. So all the single ladies. I think they had a song one time, all the single ladies. Yeah. Wasn't Beyonce had that song? Uh, uh, man. Yeah, you're about to get me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you're the one that was talking about cougar calls, and so I just I guess to, I asked for it. Yeah, I guess I yeah, asked for it. <laughs> I just was trying to clarify and get a little bit of direction and a little bit of, you know, I just I'm always one to try and educate myself. You know, I don't like to know not know something. So whenever I, you know, there's a topic or there's a or there's a fact out there. You know, anybody that knows me knows I'm the guy that'll you know, hey, I want to jump on Google and make sure that that's right. And so I just want to make sure that, you know, I know. So that way, if I'm ever presented or that position mm-hmm. ever, you know, is presented to me or in front of me, then I know I can identify it and be like, whoa, I'm married. I'm good. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just, 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 just look at the hands. Okay. Like you're to see claws. Like once the, once they start talking, you look at the hands and you start seeing claws. Okay. So is that, so you, the, the hands that probably, does that come because you have a lower perspective? So you're used to seeing the hands where most other people, the perspective is higher. And so they're not focused on the hands. Honestly, I, I, I think you make a great point there. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think it is. Cause, cause like in my situation, like I'm like, it, it, it's a gift that occurs cause I'm high level. Like, I mean, I'm not, like I, uh-huh. I have to look up here, but like I also look up uh-huh. here. So like I, I can see the claws coming out, like the right. Claws come, okay. Yeah. So it's just. Just Man, we have this thing has gone off track, <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. I love it. So All you, right, you're so. about to tear my social media page to a farmers only page. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a new. I saw there's a new TV show that's coming out. Like, girl wants to be a farmer or something. It's like the. It's like the I'm Bachelor sure. with farming or something. You know, it, this stuff's getting far out now. Yeah, yeah I'm so, sure. God. Um. So. You're going to, so you said earlier, you're going to have a surgery this year. It's not a surgery. No. Okay. You're well, let me backtrack. I will have to have a surgery to extend my, um, tendons. Yes. Ligaments or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll have to have the surgery to do that, but I don't, that's not a big, that's not a big deal. Um, I just think it's going to go in, like just kind of do a scope and just kind of stretch those out. Just stretch those muscles. Um, so where I was, go ahead. Go ahead. Where I was going with that is, is what, with with that being said, with the medical procedures you're having in order to um, give you the opportunity to, to w- walk again, what does your hunting season look like for 2024? Do you have plans already? Or are you just kind of playing it by ear, given given the what you have in store with that side? My full focus right now is my health, honestly. Um, so here, here's, here's a spin off to this. So. We have a nonprofit organization. We just built a nonprofit organization called In the Moment Outdoors. We're taking kids with disabilities on hunting trips. I'm going through the procedure to stem cells, everything that I'm doing right now, so that we can offer that to kids that have been in chairs, that are going through um, whatever disability, autism, things like that. Because stem cells has the opportunity to heal all of that, state and cure all of that. So I'm going through all of this here so that we can give that opportunity back to those kids. So we're going to do a full-on documentary about what I'm doing to go through the procedure for it to work. And then we're going to offer that opportunity to those kids that we take on haunts, but not only offer it to those kids, you know, we're going to like document it so they can show. So the medical industry has screwed me over. I mean, just terribly. And like, they don't want it to be known that stem cells has the answer to cure a lot of things. The FDA doesn't want to prove it. So basically after all the crap that I've been through in the last two years in the medical side of things and, them telling me, hey, like, we're going to put you on, like, medicine, make you kill yourself, but don't do it. I'm just coming back with a big middle finger. It's like, hey, like, guys, like, you have the answer for a lot of these things that you're killing people. So that's basically, you know, what we're doing. So, like, my focus is this project here so that we can give it to other people. 
Man, I I totally agree with you on what you just said. I mean, after what we've been through in the last, you know, the whole COVID thing, I'm not I'm not one of them that says it doesn't exist and any of that. But from day one, you know, the first thing I did was reached out to a couple of different, you know, individuals I know that are in the medical, you know, industry, way smarter than me. And I was like, so it's a virus, right? Yep. It's going to be here forever, right? Yep. So what are we doing? I mean, I was that way, you know, early in 2020 and it just, and, and I'm not saying that I'm a know-it-all or any of that, but it just was common sense. And then as you go through and you look at the, you know, the government and the FDA and everything, it's all money. It's all about money. That's so if, if we're going to be, I mean, I hate to jump off the same subject, but to dive into it, like COVID was a test. COVID was a population control test. I mean, that's all it was, you know, for, you can have this random virus that come out and then like two months later, you got a cure for it. And you don't know what it is. It's population control, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and I, then like that, that put us in a big recession. So everybody needed to depend on the government for money, things like that. Well, now we're about to go into a major recession coming up because now that AI is here, it's about to destroy this whole country. Like just, mm-hmm. I, it's here, you know, COVID was a test. It was a population control test. Now AI is coming and they're about to take a lot of jobs. Like it's, we're about to be in one of the probably biggest recessions that we've ever been in, but it's been conditioned. Like it's, it's been in the works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, you know, and I hope that I'm afraid you're right, but I hope you're not. (laughs) Yeah. I hope I'm not seeing it, but (laughs) I mean, we have an amazing, awesome country. Um, but it's changed drastically, especially in our lifetime. Um, and it's not the country that it was, but, um, you know, I don't know if it can be, I hope it can be righted, if you will, but, you know, because there's just so much opportunity, there's so much greatness that's out there, but if that power gets into the wrong hands, then, you know, who knows where it's going to go. I mean, I think like I think the technology is awesome, but like I said, you know, it's you know just 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 look at Walmart for example, Walmart and Amazon. Like everything goes to self checkouts, so you've eliminated a lot of your employees. Oh, one hundred percent. When they yeah, when they started doing the fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage, it just doesn't work. I actually also own a restaurant, and and you know the the, the pay scale that we used to pay people at has been raised, and it's been raised because. They can go to all these other fast food restaurant places and get a job and start off there. But what they realize when they work for them is, is that it's not what it was all cracked up to be corporate. It's very rigid. There's no leeway. And then also the hours are very limited. So they're working, they're, they're, they're making, they're not making as much money because they can't get as many hours. Um, and then when they come to me and they work for me and I've got great employees, I love them. Um, and I'm very grateful to have them, but then when I have to pay them more to retain them, then all of a sudden I have to raise my rate, my, my prices. So then all of a sudden you're buying power and it's just, all they're doing is just creating, mm-hmm. you know, inflation art, you know, artificially uh, contributing or not even artificially, it's contributing to the inflation. Mm-hmm. And what, what people don't realize is that those jobs that are paying the minimum wage, those were jobs that were started. Those are starter jobs. Those are jobs for people that mm-hmm. are just getting started to learn you know, Hey, you need to show up on time. Hey, you need to, you know, your work skills. And then from there you can, you know, take your motivation and, and education and, and better yourself. Not these aren't lifelong jobs or these positions aren't made to be, you know, to create a, a life wage or a living wage, whatever they call it. But yeah, it's, it's, I think we're definitely in, in, in store for some interesting times, but, um, so with regards to 2024, you don't have any, any hunts set up right now. Just going to kind of play it by ear to see what, what it looks like given what you're, what you're coming up against and stuff with your, with your medical treatments and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, if you have an opportunity and you want to hunt Kansas for birds and you can, I, I can, you're more than welcome. I'll get you on some here and uh, I'd love to have you out here. Don't tell me what a good time. I'll have Dylan drag me out there somehow. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, absolutely. For sure. I mean, I got, I got a spot you can stay and, and, uh, it, it'll, it, we don't have as many birds as we did. We, you know, our population's down, but I can definitely still get you on, on some birds for sure. So is it true? I think I, so I haven't hunted, I haven't 
turkey under two seasons with everything. But is it true that did Kansas drop down to one bird this year? Yeah, uh, last year they dropped last to one year. bird, and they did away with the fall altogether. There's no fall, so it's one bird. And you know, honestly, um, in the part of the state where I'm at, I'm in the southern part, uh, just around down south of Wichita. Um, our bird numbers are down. Definitely. Um, we can still get birds and we're still on birds and there's still birds there, but you're definitely working a little bit harder and you're having to, you know, before it didn't matter if it was a Creek, Creek bottom riverbed, whatever it had birds on it, period. And, and number, uh-huh. numbers of birds. Now it's more, um, you, you got to find the birds and then where they're at, the, you know, wherever you find the birds, then there's going to be, you know, then obviously you can hunt them. Uh, it's not like there's only one or two, but um, I've got a real good buddy that's up in the northern part of the state, northeast part of the state. And he's he said his numbers are the same. He's like, we still got tons of birds. So um, it's, it's pockets. And, you know, I don't, there's all kinds of different uh, philosophies, ideas theories on why our bird numbers are being um affected and everything like that but um i mean i know that in my lifetime hunting there was no turkeys at all in kansas and then we got to where you know five six years ago i mean you you couldn't drive you know five miles or 10 miles you know from one town to the next and not see 20 30 40 birds so i think it's something that can be corrected and something that can be righted it's just gonna you know take some some uh, some people in the right places making the right decisions, whatever that may be. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know I, a lot of people are like, you know, once once COVID happened, a lot of people had the opportunity to hunt. It was like, man, like a lot of birds got killed that year. So I, I think that had to do with a lot of states dropping their numbers. Because I mean, I think t- Tennessee dropped to two birds, and we were a full bird state. So now we're at two birds. Um, so I mean, like, I think once it did happen, like it did take a a really big toll on the animal population. Well, you know, even looking at that, like how, you know, the, that incident happened, you know, I think moving forward next couple of years, you know, we're going to get into those situations where a lot of people are going to like have to learn how to survive with the land. So yeah. it's it, right now as hunters, I think this is a time that we need to like really come together and like make sure that we make a positive impact to those people because they're not going to know what to do when it comes to figuring out food. You know, your, your, your cattle price is going to go up because, you know, like I said, your inflation, like we're, we're about to go through, you know, a very tough time and everybody's going to be like, Hey, like we need to eat, but we can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So like as hunters, it's, it's our time to come together and make a very positive impact for those people who are going to need us the most, whether they hate us or love us. You know, this is our time to be good people and showcase how we need to showcase the sport as individuals and as outdoorsmen. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. And we've talked about that. We echoed that all the way throughout the podcast, talk about it very regularly of, of being um, involved as hunters. It's a responsibility to be involved um, with the various outdoor organizations as well as the, you know, gun rights organizations, because the, the, the gun haters and the, and the, the um you know the 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 animal rights activists they both for the most part fall completely you know totally in line together those two different groups and they are galvanized they are <laughs> 100% in step with one another and that's one thing that i don't think that we do or i, I think i think it's one thing maybe i should say i think it's one thing that we need to do a better job of is being more unified in mm-hmm. understanding and knowing that you know, I may not have, have ever been on an elk hunt. I want to, but it doesn't hurt that I, you know, go to a Rocky Mountain Elk Federation, mm-hmm. you know, banquet. Or, you know, if somebody's not a duck hunter, there's a Ducks Unlimited banquet, you should absolutely still go to it because that does help to benefit all aspects of the hunting. Mm-hmm. And if it's hunting, then it also um, helps to advocate for the you know rifles and guns and archery and all of it. So it's mm-hmm. that lifestyle that, that we so dearly enjoy mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean like and, and i love organizations like you know nwtf organization like um ducks Limited. those those they contribute to the outdoors and like they they help in a matter of conservation like and right now like we we need conservation more than anything right now you know our, our population of animals like it, it's certain species are on a, like a good growth 
and certain species are in decline. But it, it's up to us to figure out how to make that balance. And, you know, hunters, we make that balance by contribute to buying license, you know, the feed that we provide, you know, to, the, the time yes. that we put into the outdoors, building that habitat for animals. Like, we are a, a very strong foundation for animals in the outdoors and we just need to stick together and they stop <laughs> i think i think it's so dumb when people try to fight the next hunter because of what they harvested you know like mm-hmm. yeah okay well that deer wasn't big enough i wouldn't shot it. okay well it doesn't matter it's not your tag you know, it's not your property you didn't put in the work like we need to come together and stop trying to fight everybody's trying to fight against us we don't need to fight inside of our own circle correct yeah 100 percent agree with you man i totally agree with you so, well, man, I can't tell you how much I've appreciate this. This has been a good time. I love, yes, uh, you know, talking with you and everything like that. And I look forward to, uh, you know, I don't seeing you maybe this year in Kansas shooting a turkey or, you know, I'll be in Tennessee at least once or twice this year. Um, so maybe I might hit you up. And if uh, it's season, maybe we'll try and see if you shoot a turkey there. Absolutely. Well, you just let me know. I have plenty of birds down there. I'm going to say it's for you. Plenty of birds where I am. Tennessee doesn't have birds for everybody else. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I'm smelling what you're stepping in. Yeah. <laughs> but Josh, man, I greatly appreciate it so much. Um, for, for our listeners out there, um, Josh, you want to tell them about your, you know, where they can find you on social media and what, what, what different uh, platforms you're on? Yeah. So if you guys search, I mean, it, I'm pretty easy to find. If you Google Josh Carney, son of the South, I'll pop up somewhere. Facebook, Instagram, son of the South, S-O-N of the South. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. Just type in guy wheelchair animal sounds. Really not that hard to find. You, you can do that. <laughs> you can do that. Yeah. Just type in wheelchair animal sounds and it. uh, it, it'll pop up and and you should do it because it's 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 truly amazing I and mean, we just kind of barely touched on it here in in the pod on the podcast but yeah uh, it's it's pretty he's pretty talented for sure so for all of our listeners out there um you know again powder and string outfitters we're on social media as well at facebook uh we're on uh x we're on instagram and we're also on youtube and we did just have our um website go live for our shop so we now are accepting online orders at powderandstring.com so you can go on there and uh, get any of the uh, inventory that you would want from anything from ammo to you know archery gear to guns you name it so we were kind of proud about that um we just just went live uh within the last week or two and so we're excited to announce that and uh Anybody that's out there, if you like the like the podcast, then we surely appreciate you going out and liking our page or uh, sharing it and doing all those things. But until next time, Josh, I greatly appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, and uh, for all the listeners. Until next time, thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs>